we're with Genesis Apologetics. That's what my shirt says. The bracelet says debunkevolution.com. And young people and older, younger people, if you, <laughs> if you just type that in on your computer, it'll come up with all kinds of great um, videos, little videos and other answers uh, for uh, you, including uh, this one about dinosaurs. We understand that, that Mike Riddle spoke on this uh, some, some time ago, a month or so. And uh, some people, various, were asking me if I was going to do it too. So we're going to review and then teach a little bit uh, more focus on the young earth. And so uh, on what day did God create dinosaurs? Does anybody remember that? I'm going to do a song as our scripture reading. Oh, yeah. It's this. It's the second to the bottom. Try it once and then come back. Oh, you can go there. But the songs are from Answers in Genesis. I was trained there as well as being trained with Mike Riddle and his apologetics training. And uh, this first song is about the days of creation. And as we go through it, you can uh, figure out which day God created dinosaurs. On day one. God's own Son created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light, and it was done. That's what happened on day one. It was done. Day one, no dinosaurs yet. Then on day two, out of the ocean blue, God made the atmosphere. He divided the waters, put them under and above, and God did it with love. It's true, day two. Then on day three, out of the sea, the dry land appeared. God created plants, the flowers and the trees. That's what happened on day three. Don't you see? It's food for dinosaurs. <laughs> day three. Then on day four. Well, there's still more. God put the stars up in the sky. He made the greater light to rule over the day, the lesser light to rule the night. I'm sure. Day four. Now it's a very simple tune and we can sing on day five, God begins creating creatures. Then on day five, well something is alive in the air and the sea. God made the birds to fly and the, oh, God made the fish to swim and the birds to fly. That's what happened on day five. Something is alive. Day five. No dinosaurs yet, though. Then on day six, the creatures that God mixed, the dinosaurs and creeping things. God made the beasts of the field and cattle of the land. In his own image, God made man to exist. Day six. Then on day seven, a blessing was given. God said that what he made was very good. 
It only took six days to make the earth and heaven. And then God rested on day seven. Okay. Yeah, well, thank you for... That's a summary of uh, Genesis chapter 1. And on what day did God create dinosaurs, kids? That's right. And I heard that from the adults too. Day six is the correct answer. So um, we're dinosaurs on Noah's Ark. This is from a presentation that I did just last September in the Philippines. My first uh, presentation with the, uh, the master's seminary graduates in pastoral training. And you'll see the setting of that in our next hour. But uh, this is a picture of the very first ever full-scale model of Noah's Ark in Hong Kong. And Don and I went there when we were newlyweds. We'll explain that next hour, too. We were fairly newlyweds. Yeah. Okay, we were married anyway. And we, we went, yeah, about five years. That's newlyweds, my goodness. And so we, we stayed... Uh, right up uh, there, there's some rooms up there, uh, hotel rooms. And w I went down below to see if there were any dinosaurs in um, this group of animals that are coming out. They're, they're kind of frozen. They must have been fossilized <laughs> in those positions, two by two. But I didn't see any dinosaurs. Inside, I looked at cages, and I found an empty cage that said dinosaurs on it. Nothing was in there. And there was a little sign in the back that said, uh, this is a controversial topic, so we don't have any dinosaurs coming off the ark. They're further away <laughs> or something. So uh, it's a controversial topic. And that's uh, what we're going to look at here, because the answers in Genesis has built this full-scale model out of wood. The local carpenters built this and, and uh, Amish. And so there are dinosaurs included in animal cages. How many people have been there besides us? Donna raised her hands. Yeah, good. Oh, praise God. If you haven't gone, you need to make this a vacation spot. And um, actually, there's a group in Boise. It's called Northwest Science Museum. It is going to open in a few years, and we'll have the third full-scale uh, Noah's Ark in Boise, visible from the freeway, they hope. Um, they have permission for that. So many Christians are needlessly confused about dinosaurs. This was Dennis Semenis when we started out our, our um, ministry in this area. 1999, we'd been church planning and, and uh, went out into the churches and found that church people were very confused back in uh, early, uh, the late 1900s. So dinosaur family lived happily ever after, Mr. Ketchum reads to his child. But then he had been in Sunday school, and he says, Dad, in Sunday school, I learned that Noah saved all the animals. And Dad says, oh, that's right. Hmm, yeah. So how come he didn't save the dinosaurs, Dad? Ooh. Well, the, his dad thinks, oh, how do I answer this? And he hasn't been to our seminar yet, so he doesn't know the answer. Um, he didn't hear Mike Riddle either. And so he just makes up some answers that maybe he learned from his uh, research Bibles. They were already gone by the time Noah was born. Now, is that really true? Historically? Oh, good kids. Yes. 
but we've got to be gentle because this is a dad who, who needs to know. He says, even before Adam and Eve came on the scene, so now the only place we see them are in museums and toy stores. Oh, my. Dennis is really confused what he saw in Sunday school with all these dinosaurs and things. So um, he says, do you think God just got tired of them, Dad? And the dad says, I guess so, now go to sleep. No answer. We've got to have answers, don't we? Because he still has a question. And his question is, do you think God will get tired of us, Dad? If he just got tired of the dinosaurs and we don't have any explanation for why they disappeared, do you think he'll be, get tired of us? And that's where it ends here. But Mr. Ketchum has gone to heaven and he knows the answer now. Uh, whether he went to Mike Riddle's seminar or not. So, because there are two opposing worldviews out there, and many, of, many churches, most churches are still stuck in the man's word worldview that, that what, what secular scientists say about scientists must be true because they're so authoritative about the millions and billions of years. So we're going to look at the contrasting worldviews one at a time, first of all, uh, knowing that evolution is an atheist bias, and most Christians don't realize this, unfortunately, but I know all of you do, that Charles Darwin struggled with his theory because he was afraid of God's wrath, really, uh, to, to contradict what God says in his word, but he went ahead and did it because his grandfather and father had done it before him, the, the evolution concepts. So... Uh, first of all, the evolution, what Darwin explained is that dinosaurs evolved long before man, 235 to 65 million years ago, according to supposedly the layers in the ground where they're buried. But evolution has a biblical bias, I mean creation has a biblical bias, and this is that God created them along with man on what day? Day six. Very good, kids. So man was created on, in God's image, but God created all the animals first uh, on days five and six. So it's very important for us to keep, that's the beginning of history. And as we're going to see in, in the next hour, before history began, God already had a plan for us. And it included people living with dinosaurs. And we're going to see uh, this as we uh, so how long did it take to create all things so, how, how long yeah now does that include all in six days all things were created so does that include the angels also yeah see when I was a new Christian I was taught that Lucifer fell long before creation but no Lucifer was created and he was very good before sin came into the world, or before he helped bring sin into the world. Now, review from the song, what day did God create dinosaurs? Day six, that's right. Okay, we've got to really nail that. <laughs> now, did Adam and Eve then see dinosaurs in the Garden of Eden? Fortunately, we do have a video of this. Um, <laughs> here we go. And if you have sound, could you turn it up a little? Um, Adam named all the animals, and he told Eve, probably, the names of the generic kinds. And so here's Adam and Eve getting out of their Jeep. And they come near this creature, 
And he says, Oh. oh, okay, so this is a secular view. <laughs> yeah, it's a dinosaur. It is a dinosaur, but that's probably not what, what he would have said. Uh, let's, I wanted to know if, what these creatures were like before uh, Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, and so I didn't get my head bit off, so I know that they uh, were actually pretty good. And that's what the Creator says, that his creation was very good, including these velociraptors from Jurassic Park. And as we go through this, we uh, ask this question, what did T-Rex eat before sin came into the world? Veggies, that's right. How do we know that? From Genesis 1, verse, uh, verse 30. And to all the beasts of the earth, and to all the birds of the air, and to... All the creatures that crawl on the earth, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant. So that's why on day three, he was creating food for the dinosaurs, even these with big, sharp teeth. So the question is, why did some have sharp teeth? And we just assume sharp teeth is really scary, and it's for uh, scaring kids. And no, that, that isn't the case at all. Because there are bears that are really cute, and they have very sharp teeth, but what do they use their sharp teeth for? <laughs> yeah, bamboo. This is bamboo, and there's others that eat eucalyptus, and they need the sharp teeth. But also, there's a creature that we see in um, the Prince of Egypt, where he was writing on this one. What is this with sharp teeth on top and bottom? It's a camel. And if you remember in the Prince of Egypt movie, it's a Disney, isn't it, film? Uh, the camel with Moses pulls up a, a chunk of grass and shakes it off all over Moses. And that's what they do with this. That's how they eat in the desert to get the whole plant. And so they need sharp teeth. And so God has engineered all of his creatures and... Creation scientists believe that dinosaurs are named in the Bible, but not what the Jurassic Park uh, Adam said uh, he is. It's by another name. And here we go. Behold now what? Behemoth, which I made along with you. This is in Job chapter 40. And in Job chapter 40, God describes uh, this big creature and uh, he says, I created it along with you. And we're going to look at why uh, this is what he's described here. The, old, the commentary that I had when I was a new Christian, and I took this uh, picture of what it said, supposed to be either the elephant or the hippopotamus. <laughs> and uh, so that's, um, that's one view. But the problem is, verse 17, he he sways his table, or he, he move, moveth his tail like a cedar. Now, have you ever seen them with a, tr a tail like a cedar tree? It has to be something bigger. And the biggest thing that God made on land was what kind of creature? A long neck, and the generic name for long necks is sauropod. Gave it away, didn't I? And so there are actually two types of sauropods, and this is the one we'll see a, a museum 
diorama of this later that shows him eating, uh, able to eat grass like an ox. He is called Apatosaurus, and he has a long tail which balances his head to be able to go down on the ground and eat the grass. There is another type that is designed to stand upright, but still the same genera, the same, uh, there are different varieties, uh, and that one is the Brachiosaur. And the Brachiosaur, his strength is in his loins, and his power is in his belly. Uh, he's a really powerful thing and can, is designed to stand upright, un, unlike elephants that can only stand upright for a short time. Because these bones are very strong, and if scientists had just looked at Job 40 in the first place, in verse 18 it says his bones are tubes of brass. And there are different translations. This is the uh, NIV and I think ESV also. Uh, getting, capturing this idea that the bones are like the tubes that Job would have used for his water system. In other words, they are full of air, or they're full of empty space for um, being lightweight, for one thing, so that he can stand upright. And we see this also in, in this clip of Job and his couple of friends there. And look at that. He's able to eat the tops of the trees and go through the forest, and uh, the Apatosaurus goes along mowing the lawn down below. Now, also, uh, this was a problem. Uh, Jurassic Park was a problem for uh, evolutionists because they said that, God, that uh, grass hadn't evolved yet until much later. <laughs> and maybe not even the deciduous trees for this thing. And if they'd read Job 40, they would have known. <laughs> that uh, it ate grass. So now, why don't I find the word dinosaur in the Bible? The dino dinosaur word was invented in 1841. Before that, what were they called? Adults. That's right, you are so good. And you kids, you got that? They were called what? Dragons. And in the Bible, we see that terminology is tanin in the, in the uh, Old Testament Hebrew, and the, word, the words translated as dragon uh, in the ESV and King James only at this point appear in old, New King James appear in the Old Testament more than 20 times and dracon in the New Testament 14 times. And I think the other translations are going to catch up a little as they... they look at the scientific, uh, at the creation research and realize that, that these really were a very important creature to God because creation scientists believe dragons were dinosaurs and when they look in the mirror, uh, that's what they see. Okay, and so we have a whole chapter, the next chapter, Job 41, describes Leviathan, a fire-breathing dragon in the greatest most scientific detail of any animal that God describes anywhere in the Bible. And he is at a point where he has humbled Job a little bit with the idea of behemoth. I made this along with you. You can't tame him, Job. And then he de describes Leviathan. And we'll see what happens to Job after he hears this from God. 
His snorting throws out flashes of light. His eyes are like rays of dawn. Firebrands stream from his mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke pours from his nostrils. His breath sets coals ablaze and flames dart from his mouth. Ooh, this was the first recorded case of very bad breath. <laughs> and the point that he was making to Job is, you can't get close to him. You can't do anything with him. But I control this creature. And throughout the Old Testament, Leviathan is mentioned as a creature that God controls, mostly in the ocean, the fiery sea serpents of, of ancient history. And we're going to see why uh, this is ancient history. It's not mythology at all, because it's the most detailed animal that God describes in the Bible. So we'll go on from uh, when they were created six days, uh, 6,000 years ago, the fossil layers record dinosaur evolution over millions of years according to evolution worldview. And what's the answer to that? The answer is no. They were mostly fossilized in layers of the flood. 4,500 years ago, not millions of years ago, the flood is very accurately recorded at right about 4,500 years ago. And some of them survived on the ark. So we should expect to see evidences of dinosaurs after the worldwide flood, but very different for many reasons. And we'll see, and not very different, but just a little bit different, not as big after the flood. How do we know the dinosaurs really existed? Well, it's from the fossils, isn't it? And who's that fossilized guy standing there? That was actually me before I fossilized. And um, this is, what kind of creature is this? It's an apatosaurus. When he pats your foot, it hurts really bad. Uh, so it's an apatosaurus designed to mow your lawn or to walk along eating the grass like an ox. And uh, here's the muscles of that creature uh, compared to Donna, <laughs> my, my wife right there. And uh, so this is in a museum. And notice over on the right, What's that in the cage, the things that were found with the dinosaurs? A bird. Yeah, they're birds. There's cages of birds and mice and, and uh, no cats and dogs, but, but uh, other kinds of mammals. So evolutionists are wrong. They say there weren't any birds. So they, they're trying to say that some of these dinosaurs, they finding had feathers, so it proves that, but actually they, they're birds that they're, they're showing us. And uh, here is um, fossils are found all around the world today, and sometimes w with the hard parts fossilized in them, always, by the way, with skin outside, and, and they used to always just throw that away and thought it was useless. But uh, nests of really big eggs, and oh, uh, my wife showed not, should, said I shouldn't show this. Um, it's too scary, right? Uh, this yeah, doesn't have anything to do with anything. This is, Donna has, I want you to stand up and just show the, the egg. And if any, any kid wants to see this, we at the um, Northwest Science Museum, they have lots of replicas and the real things. I thought this was a real thing and somebody pointed out it's a replica, but it really looks just like that. <laughs> and so if any of you kids want to see that, we'll have it right here with Donna. Uh, you can hold it. It's heavy. And then coprolites. Somebody brought us this. They said 
they were good friends and they were driving in the desert, I think it was in Utah, and there was something looked like a teepee. <laughs> and a, a Native American was selling dinosaur fossils. What does that look like? Coprolite means dropping. That's right. It's dinosaur dropping. And they're found in areas where there are fossil footprints. And amongst the fossil footprints, when they dig them up in the desert, they find fossilized droppings, sometimes right between the feet prints. What does that mean? That means this was not before the flood. It was afterwards there were dinosaurs that were walking and, yeah, dropping stuff. So this is before the flood. This is up in Mongolia. And they were pointing out that all around the world there are these unexplainable sudden burials worldwide. This is a Sorlophilus herd nesting in Mongolia with nests as far as you can see in the artist's drawing there. One after another they found nests with eggs, some of them hatching, some of them already hatched and the babies hiding under the wings of their mother. Many times the mothers sitting with their heads up and then being covered with, with volcanic ash and, and mud flowed in and fossilized them in those positions in almost pristine, uh, just perfect uh, conditions where they were able to see them so clearly. Suddenly buried and fossilized. And you draw the dots on this. How could that happen unless there was a worldwide flood? And this is a worldwide phenomenon. All over China, those are uh, there too. Uh, did dinosaurs die off then before Adam? This is what Mr. Ketchum said. And so we have the Garden of Eden. And below this is a concept that many Christians are confused about. Where is all that, those fossils? It's pain and death and killing and disease and struggle and, and suffering and extinction and all these things. Well, the problem is, no. By one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. What does that mean? That means that was there death and suffering before Adam's sin? Absolutely. Okay, right. Not. In, not possible. And so we're going to fix this in just a little bit as we look at the fossil layers. Here is the picture of death. Evolutionists paint this in textbooks as a picture of life evolving from very simple at the bottom to very complex up above here. But the problem is that the, the lay, the, generally this is the, the way they're buried and this is the way we would expect in a worldwide flood with the ocean bottom covered here and everything extinct instantly. And then eventually up there you have dinosaurs and eventually people at the very top. But uh, they say the sediment layers form slowly over long periods of time and they show pictures of, of a cow walking down, falling and dying in the river and it gets covered and fossilized. No, these are billions and billions of dead things all buried at once. That's what this picture shows. And that's what we see all around the world. But they say the millions of layers represent millions of years. But we want to reinterpret that as saying, or this is what Christians have believed before evolution came on the scene and was taught in schools before, uh, in the, the uh, late 1800s. Sediment layers form quickly during the worldwide flood. And Bible genealogies date the flood at 4,400 years ago. And so 
This is a picture of death, not a picture of life evolving. And so what we can do to fix this is to change the millions of years to what? Thousands of years. The world's just thousands of years old. It makes sense with, with all the complex design that we see and put it all on top of the Garden of Eden. And so we have one year Noah's flood. And uh, praise God I was able to uh, see that those lowest layers. Is that in here? Yes, I think so. Uh, most were buried in drowning death poses like this with the neck twisted backwards. Ah! And indicates suffocation of sudden burial, not slow, gradual, a cow falling in a river and getting covered up. Like I've seen that in all, from my first uh, science books until now. And, but here, here's one that's uh, kind of really torn apart. This is a more um, one that was fossilized more quickly and didn't break apart. And there's one, the same, the neck put back, suffocating. And here's a big one that was probably pregnant. And there's a T-Rex that was on the run. And here's another T-Rex that stopped running. And it appears that it was covered instantly and just threw its neck back and was trying to make its last uh, struggle but couldn't make it out. So the distribution of these fossils is worldwide. What, if it were that case, what would the evidence be? It would be billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the earth. Did Mike Riddle sing that song for you? No? I don't know if we have time this morning, but yeah. So since there was a worldwide flood, what should we see? Say it together. Billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the earth. And is that what we see? That's exactly it. And so, pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. So, since dinosaurs lived after the flood, they had to be on the ark, right? Do you see any in the picture? I'll help you out a little bit. We saw him earlier, and a name of him, Sorophilus, the one sitting on the, the, their eggs. And then uh, there we have another one. We know his scientific name and his Bible name. What's the Bible name? Behemoth, what's his wife's name? <coughs> Shehemoth, or Behemoth. Easy. And no, I just that's a joke. Uh, and then we have T-Rex and Mrs. Rex. Well, also a joke. But they were, of course, they are, they did have... They uh, had babies, but how did they fit on the ark? Well, the, even the largest dinosaurs only come out of an egg uh, no bigger. This is the, the biggest of the um, sauropod eggs. And inside it's so cute when it's all curled up like that. But then it, it gets out and it grows bigger and bigger. Uh, the head doesn't grow as fast as the rest of it, but it grows up and gets higher and higher until this, this one is big enough to fight off a T-Rex, do you think he could fit on Noah's Ark? Some of these were taller than this church building. Uh, three stories tall. And so, no, that wouldn't fit because we saw the picture of the Ark earlier and here is something of what the Ark might have looked like. Do you see any dinosaurs going into this Ark? Yes, they had to fit through that door. So what do you see there? Got the... God had to bring what? 
the young ones. Now, would he have brought babies? Some people were saying, well, maybe they brought eggs and just hatched the eggs on the ark. No, because when they came out, what did they need to do right away? Yes, reproduce and fill the earth. And, and that's what we're going to look at in, in history. We see lots of, of records of that happening all over the earth. And so um, here is the wooden scale model of Noah's Ark. And uh, it's, it's really big and has a ramp going up there uh, for the various creatures. The door, and there's Donna uh, outside. And we went all the way through that. It's really exhausting. You've got to allow two days, I think. Would everybody agree to that? Because by the end of the first day, you're saying, I can't do this anymore. But there's so much more to see. And so you, you go home, you rest, and you plan your second day and come back. And here's the ark. It's, the door is permanently closed, I think. Well, it could open. It is designed to open. But uh, they don't open it during the presentations. So see how big it is? It's big enough for... Uh, almost full-scale, full-size giraffes, but not uh, the big dinosaur, biggest dinosaurs. Those are the ones that are fossilized and that we see the most of. It was really huge, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, and plenty uh, big enough. Uh, here it was in comparison to a 747. It has the same carrying capacity as, as 522 railroad cars and we were camped right next to the tracks, and I think we heard all of those go by last night a couple times. Um, so anyway, and the average animal that went on the ark is no bigger than a small dog. And dinosaurs, uh, dinosaur species are no, um, not all huge. So the book of Job was written after the flood, Behemoth and Leviathan, described by God, and what, when Job heard about Leviathan, he just fell on his knees and he cried out to God, I'm, I'm, I'm so humbled, you are God and I am not. And that's what finally humbled Job. And um, so it is, God has written this for our understanding, and people after the flood knew. Marco Polo, reported, this was 1271 A.D., reported that the emperor of China raised dragons to pull his chariots. And when we were in, in China, we learned that there, there used to be dragon museums and they've been uh, closed down. I don't know if this is recorded. I shouldn't be saying, well, that's okay. Yeah, that was that part I can say. <laughs> uh, Alexander the Great in 326 B.C., his soldiers were uh, scared that great dragons lived in the caves. So here, again, a little... Uh, as, we, as we work our way closer to Christ, 275 A.D., um, St. George slaying the dragon, and this, this appears, you can think of several state flags and state emblems that have this, a similar, this or a similar picture on it of this historical event as the establishment of their nation or evidence of their strength. North American Indian pictographs resembling dinosaurs. Uh, if dinosaurs really lived millions of years ago, how did these people know how to draw them hundreds of years ago? And so there we have the pictograph, and there we have the Edmontosaurus that we knew uh, lived right in that area in the, around the Grand Canyon. And uh, Ica stones, I understand Mike 
didn't show these. These were, um, we learned in the, the Northwest uh, Museum, Science Museum, that these have been recently exonerated by the Peruvian government that says these are absolutely authentic. These were found and preserved by Magellan when his men came through a thousand years ago, and they show the most amazing things. What do we have here? This is a rock carving carved a thousand years ago and preserved by the soldiers of Magellan who said, <laughs> these are just mythological creatures and they just put them in a storage place. Now they're in, in uh, museums in Peru. What is that? Anybody have an idea? That's right. Get their prize. And then, what's that? Three horns should be? Triceratops. What's that? Stegosaurus, yes. Very good. What's that? Long neck. Or what's his Bible name? Behemoth, yes. And uh, Fishosaurus. That's sort of fishy. But anyway, um, there are more of these that the government says are authentic, thousand years old. Many of them show men riding in different poses or putting ropes around the necks of these creatures. Here, do you see? There is what looks like a T-Rex, maybe, because of his big hind legs. And what's the man doing? Yeah, he's riding on it. It looks like he's standing on the tail and holding onto the head. So I told you, the dinosaurs were probably different after the flood because um, something was different. Scientists don't know what, but before the flood, the atmosphere had to be thicker for the pterodactyls to be able to fly, and, and different things. There's, they're not sure, but the dinosaurs were fun <laughs> to play with. And that's what we see here. And here's another one. What's he doing? Yeah, it looks like uh, attacking this thing uh, with a knife. That's not nice, is it? Eka Stone show Apatosaurus with long heads. It wasn't until 1979 that it was discovered that this isn't a patasaurus when you look at the whole rock the other side. It was discovered to have a long skull just as the Ica stones show. And so how did they know that without knowing the most recent scientific information? And this was a thousand years ago. This one is positively dated at a thousand um, years ago. And our friends, uh, Dr. Cole and his wife, with ABWE took this picture. What is it, kids? Stegosaurus, it's very clear, isn't it? So people saw these things, they made pictures of them. This is uh, a picture with, with a serpent, sea serpent, and, and lots of other, all the animals that lived at that time. So this was uh, to, supposed, representing an animal that lived at that time. So the, the Dinosaurs were mostly fossilized in the worldwide flood. Got it? And how many years ago was that? 4,400 years ago. And wiped out by an asteroid 65 million years ago. And that according to evolution. So how do we answer that? Well, <laughs> or they became birds. How do we answer that? <laughs> most, pe most people laugh at that. But that's what uh, evolutionists want us to believe. But the Bible says they became what? They became extinct due to the Ice Age 
following the flood and hunting by people. So they mostly became, uh, by the time Job was around, it was the end of the Ice Age, so there were a few left over, but uh, not as many as there had been earlier. And eventually, uh, people, we have lots of records of people trying to wipe them out. So um, the f comet theory that a comet hit and made the, the uh, Caribbean Sea or something like that and wiped out all the dinosaurs but nothing else and changed the whole world. But how would that explain the billions of dead things buried in rock layers all over the earth? The creation theory is that most of them were fossilized in the flood 4,400 years ago and we see even some of the oil is from them. Sinclair claims that. Put a dino in your tank. Roar! <laughs> I get Sinclair gas whenever we can for that reason. I love it. And uh, most of the oil is from, from plant material, but uh, some animal uh, oil is mixed in. And the concept here is that this is not one animal dying they were at a time. They were all buried together and squished so much that even the oil came out of their bodies and formed uh, oil fields that are plentiful today. So one reason that we know that they were soft and pliable is that some of them still are on the inside and some of them are totally, as we're going to look at, at these things. Uh, you've heard, did Mike Riddle show these pictures? No, wow. Well, these are my favorite. This is what turned me around in 1997, and we began teaching this material full-time in 1999 because I had been saved through creation science, and this just impressed me so much that, hey, Dr. Schweitzer found this soft connective tissue and muscles in the leg and knee bones of a... Of a, a a T-Rex knee joint that fell and broke and this stuff oozed out and they looked at it in the microscope and that's what they saw. It looks like Kentucky Fried Dinosaur, doesn't it? And they uh, looked at it more closely. They found pliable veins and actual blood cells that they could push around. And she is still looking at this stuff. All these years later, well, in a 2005 interview, uh, well, this was actually, 97. yeah, 90, 97. Uh, she said, the maximum preservation under ideal deep freeze conditions could not exceed 10,000 years. And she's still saying that, and she's still doing experiments trying to figure out how it's possible that they really are 65 million years old. She's spending all that time, all of her energy, and she says, people still don't really believe me on this stuff yet, so I've got to find the answer to that question. How can we prove that they're 65 million years old? And the answer is, you don't have to. <laughs> Just believe what it says. They're not 65 million years old. The Institute for Creation Research has documented 40 instances when soft tissue has been found in fossils that are supposed to be uh, millions of years old. And uh, by the way, that means that those and this are carbon datable, and Christians are confused about carbon dating. 
Carbon dating doesn't give dates of millions of years old. You can't date a fossil. Evolutionists know they can't date a fossil because it's rock. Rock, sedimentary rock can't be dated. But if you look inside and you find carbon datable material like blood and tissue, or you find tissue on the outside like skin, you can carbon date it. And it dates in thousands of years only. Only to thousands of years. And if they're dated selectively, you come up with the best date being about 4,000 some years old, right after the worldwide flood. So his fossilized this one, in, found in Montana, was just in National Geographic again a couple of months ago. But his, huh? Well, this was 2002, but then uh, it came, uh, another article brought this up. His fossilized skeleton is covered in soft tissue, skin, scales, muscle pa foot pads, and even his last meal is in his stomach, a salad of ferns, conifers, and magnolias. Boy, what a yummy uh, dinner he had. And the scientists were saying, it's so amazing because it looks like you could feed this to your, your farm animals. It's just like it died yesterday. And it is so well-preserved, even the color is the same. The problem is that mummified tissue wouldn't last millions of years or even hundreds of years. It, it, it would disintegrate in, in a short, not very long. Uh, tribes in the Philippines protect their mummified uh, ancestor remains because they, anything uh, touching them disintegrates them. And so this was, yeah, last year. Uh, 2017, the same thing in a National Geographic article. Spectacular dinosaur, and the expert said it might have been walking around a couple of weeks ago. I've never seen anything like it. So we have evidence that these things were recent. They came off the, the ark, and they weren't huge then, they, they, but they were not adapted to, to the, the ice age that came, and then many that survived the flood and the ice age were killed by people. So got it? So are dinosaurs historical creatures? Yes, because God describes them as, as historical creatures. And here's the answer. Dennis says, do you think God will get tired of us? What's the answer, kids? No. no. And so we want to just end this with a spiritual application. And uh, we can't save ourselves, can we? We need to trust God. And so we have uh, applications uh, for actually seven timely applications from Noah's Ark. And then we're finished and uh, sing a song and have questions if you have. You can. Noah didn't bring the animal. Who did? Oh, yeah, it's kind of given away there. So, the application is that only Jesus can save a sinner. Only God can. Just as only God could save the people from the flood. And secondly, God brought two of every creature on, uh, even the scariest. And what did the Apostle Paul say about himself? He said, even the worst of sinners is savable. So, if if you know somebody, or if you're struggling with, with the feeling that, that you're too bad to be saved, or if or you're wondering if you can keep your salvation, God keeps your salvation, not you. God is the one 
who saves even the worst of sinners. And thirdly, there was only one door into the ark. And what did Jesus say about the door of salvation? Let's read it together. I am the way, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Amen? And so Jesus is the one who protects us. And God closed the door when the rain started to fall, right? And so only Jesus saves you. Only Jesus can keep you safe. And Jesus said, uh, no one can snatch you out of my hand. And then he said, my father also is holding you in his hand. And no one can snatch you, you out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. It's like God, the father's hand is over Jesus' hand holding you so that you cannot be lost. That's a great salvation. And fifthly, everyone who didn't enter in drowned. And there we see the, probably toward the, the end as the, the tsunamis were washing back out to sea, don't wait until it's too late. Oh, it's a warning. People need to understand. And six, God provided the sacrifice required at the end of the journey. What is that smoke coming up there? God had six of every clean animal for barbecue. And so they had the first barbecue in history and were allowed to eat all that stuff that they couldn't eat before. Remember, they could only eat what? Veg veggies. Yeah, they were veggie-tailed out. So... The God, oh, the, yeah, the, I think you saw that. The, the God who saved you will supply your every need. And lastly, there has been a rainbow after every storm. Trust God with every detail of your life. Hold nothing back. Okay? Now, remember to get your little knickknacks or look at the egg uh, at the end. And if you have questions, I think we got one question. Yes, it's a signal. The rainbow is God's signal of what? He'll never destroy the world with a flood again. And the real warning there is what will God do next time? He will destroy the world with fire. Why? Because only fire can destroy all the effects of sin, and then he will restore all things to that original paradise that we sang about. And that's what we're going to look at next hour. Thank you. That's a good introduction to the gospel begins before Genesis. Once there were two dragons who lived in the woods in a garden that God created where everything was good. Did the dragons breathe fire in the night to light Adam in his path? I wonder if they played in the morning mist as Adam and Eve laughed. That was before Adam sinned. The earth was perfect way back then. I'd restore the garden if I could to an even dragon hearts were good the dragons were not vicious everything was nice 
the dragons never roared, they were always gentle in the master's paradise. All of the animals lived on plants, nothing could ever die. Did Adam ride on a dragon's back? <laughs> could they fly? That was before Adam sinned. The earth was perfect way back then. I'd restore the garden if I could to an even dragon's hearts were good. God walked in the garden with his two special friends. All of the animals Adam had named, well, they loved to follow him. Dragons laid their heads on Adam's lap. Eve smiled at them too in that before the rainbow, before tears were true. That was before Adam's sin. I, the earth was perfect way back then. But God will restore the earth someday, and just maybe. Children will laugh with dragons as they play. And God says that he will restore all things. We don't know for sure if he'll restore the dragons and dinosaurs, but it seems logical. And if Christ returned today, the most important thing to restore his creation, would you be ready? Father, thank you for uh, your message, and thank you for your warnings, and pray that you'll prepare our hearts now for the service, and Lord, I pray if there's anyone who isn't sure about their salvation, that you will work in their hearts mightily to make that right with you today, and to confess Christ as Savior, and receive eternal life, and all of us might grow in defending our faith, in Jesus' name, amen.